Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 73. Uh, We are rocking and rolling on a very special day. Um, I actually pre-record these um, for the most part and uh, record them weeks ahead, but uh, we actually had a couple of guests that had to reschedule. So uh, this week I'm scrambling a little bit, and luckily I have a good friend of mine, uh, Russ Knight, that has been uh, agreed to join us on the podcast. He's actually a guy that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while because I've seen his heart in the community. Uh, he's uh, come to YBT events, and I've seen him just get uh, involved in other things. And uh, just as watching him um, from the sidelines and kind of seeing what he does uh, and just seeing his heart for people, it was definitely a person that I wanted to bring to the audience. And so I'm going to turn it over to Russ in a minute to talk a little bit about who he is and what he does. Uh, and then we have a great topic to, to to discuss today, um, but I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I get some stats on the podcast, so I'm able to see kind of who's listening, what episodes they're listening to, and those kinds of things. And uh, for me, this is a really exciting day because uh, I've actually uh, looking at January. January has been the highest downloaded month of our podcast. We're seeing a very significant amount of growth right now, and I, I attribute that to two things. First and uh, foremost would be the guests. The guests that we have on the podcast, I believe, are uh, being very open and and willing to share their hearts and willing to share some of the struggles they've had, some of the successes they've had, but ultimately become mentors to the audience. And so I want to thank all the all the guests that we've had in the past uh, for doing what they do to help us out. And then secondly, I think the audience, uh, you guys that are listening, are sharing this with your friends. And uh, because of that, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm really excited about the next couple of months, about the quality of guests that we have coming on, but also uh, just about uh, how we can grow together as a community. So uh, I want to encourage you, if you're uh, checking this podcast out for the first time, definitely go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. There's a lot of great content on there. I'm really excited about the uh, opportunities that we have moving forward as we build uh, the validity of this podcast and as we build uh, the community of this podcast. I think that it's going to be a really exciting thing to look back over the next couple of years and see what has happened as a result of that. So, uh, Russ, I, I, I thank you for allowing me to indulge my audience for, for just a second. But uh, if you don't mind, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. I know um, I know you and some of the people that are tuning in may know you, but a lot of people that listen to this podcast may not know who you are. Uh, so say hello to the audience and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Great. Thanks, Evan. Uh, my name is Russ Knight. I own the Christian Brothers Automotive location at Tulsa Hills. We've been open since May of 2015, but uh, so my career over um, over 20 years has been uh, how I describe it is I've been a mediocre sales guy, and I say that not to be self-deprecating, but I really think that's a fair uh, summary of what I've done. I've, I've bounced around to several different sales jobs. 
um, in, I've been in, in vocational youth ministry with Young Life and um, banking, uh, electronic payments, debt collection, energy management consulting, and outplacement consulting. So been in a lot of different things, have no automotive background, uh, but I trust the guys that I have on my team here uh, to deliver. So in, in that history, I've had the opportunity to work for a lot of different people and to take some good lessons and um, to have some touch points of things that I know I don't want to replicate or I don't want to emulate. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting today, specifically, I'm, I'm struggling with a couple of things. And just uh, as a business owner, you think oh, get, I get to be the boss and I get to come and go as I please. Uh, but man, um, it, it all falls to you. That's the that's the thing that you've got to remember. And so I, I carry this uh, pretty heavily and make to I want to make sure that we're going to be successful here. So um, I grew up in Ardmore, uh, paroled from there in 1989, went to OSU and graduated uh, and have been in, really in Tulsa ever since. So um, what happened um, in, I, I was on the very front edge of the Great Recession in 2007. So I was working for companies that were serving some of these folks that were uh, doing some lending, uh, various kinds and uh, some utility companies. And we ended up, um, uh, I was uh, laid off. I was part of a 55% company-wide reduction in force. Um, wow. And uh, so I was included in that. And so uh, six months later, I got hired by, based on an online posting. Didn't have any relationship that got me to that job. Uh, worked for them for all of four months. And they realized the product that they hired me to sell wasn't ready to go to market. So here I was 10 months after the initial layoff with the second one and it felt like it had never ended. And so uh, instead of jumping straight into job search again in the fall of 2008 with Goldman Sachs and everything else uh, crumbling, uh, I jumped in with a, a startup company that didn't start up, that is. And so <laughs> it, was, um, <laughs> uh, it was a great experience, great people, um, but you know, I just couldn't feed my family on promises of equity that never came to be. And so um, in the spring of 2009, I walked away from that and uh, got introduced to this job search ministry that uh, had been started at First Methodist, downtown Tulsa. Um, it's now called OJT. And so the website is ojttulsa.org. Um, there's a group of great folks that are leading that. And so the idea is that we want to provide with that, they wanted to provide help and hope to job seekers. And so I uh, got invited to that and I said, but I don't go to First Methodist Church. And they said, it doesn't matter. Come anyway. Said, I've made all the mistakes a job seeker can make. What else can I, can I learn? Doesn't matter. Come anyway. So <laughs> they finally convinced me and I came uh, through the door and I found people who would look me in the eye and say, Russ, you know, you're not damaged goods. The market is not rejecting what you bring to the table. We need to make a few adjustments to your resume, help you with some networking, and uh, you're going to be just fine. And so I needed to hear that. My confidence was shot um, after everything that I'd been through. And so um, I walked in the door, got, uh, took about four months, got hired. Um, and I, I came back the next week to celebrate and, and, and report that I'd been hired. And so they you know, said, congratulations. And, and the, the man who introduced me to that and invited me, still one of the key leaders, his name is Gip Gibson with Commerce Bank here in town. He, um, he said, okay, Russ, now you know you need to stick around and help us with this. And I said, <laughs> that sounds about right. 
yeah. so for the next five or six years, I've been really heavily involved um, with the uh, leadership of OJT and the job search ministry. And so what that's about for anybody who's listening, who might be in the, the position of either currently employed and looking for an upgraded opportunity or suddenly finding themselves out of work, not having uh, much experience with that. You know, the, the example I always use is the Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours of seat time to make you an expert. Hopefully, if you're in this spot, you're not a job search expert. And if you are, you might need to wonder why. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say um, that, uh, you know, when you're getting that spot, even for salespeople, I see them come through the job search ministry and uh, I don't see them applying what they know uh, to sell themselves. And so I would say that uh, if you're in that spot, one, you're going to need some help. It's always good to tap people who know uh, about whatever it is that you tr are trying to learn more about. Uh, and then to develop accountability around you uh, that's going to help you stick, stay on track. So anyway, I'm getting off track on, on job search stuff, but that's no, something no. that I've been, uh, uh, I've been through so much that uh, I, I don't wish that on anybody. But uh, it, it's something that, you know, you, if you don't know it, then uh, uh, you need some help with it. Well, don't apologize for that because I'm loving all the stuff that we're talking about already. Uh, and first, first of all, I, I think it's important for the audience to realize that when you're in that job search and when you're, when you're, you're, you've gone through a couple of different jobs, uh, like you said, your self-confidence is gone, right? And it, it's hard to sell yourself. Uh, to somebody else to say, you need to hire me. I'm the best candidate for this job if you don't truly believe that. And the problem is, is that you have viable proof that you're not the best person for that job after you've been fired or after you've been let go or, or whatever else. So I could see where that will really weigh on you. And as a uh, employer, when I'm hiring people, I, I can tell uh, basically like in the first couple of minutes, somebody's mood and, and whether or not they feel confident that they can uh, fulfill the job. And so I think it's really important. And I applaud you for getting involved with that ministry after uh, you went through it, because I think that's something that we all need to hear. I was telling you earlier in the uh, in the pre uh, the pre show that uh, one of my biggest fears is being unemployed. And we talked to Corey Minter last week about fear and, and the role that that plays in our life. And we can use that as a motivator, but we can also use that to hold us back. So I love that we're already kind of carrying that topic on a little bit, because like I said, for me, it, it's something that not being able to provide for my family or not being able to uh, achieve and do the things that I want to do, that failure, that, that fear of failure and all those other things are something that I put a very high value on for myself. And I think a lot of guys put a very high value on the roles that they play or the jobs that they have. It's almost how we define ourselves. And so if you're in that situation where you don't have a job or you're currently looking for a job, then you almost have no identity in yourself and you have no perceived self-worth. Now, there's a lot of other things to that, but I think that uh, as a whole, that's a very big part of how guys identify themselves. So I, I want to stay on this topic a little bit and then we'll jump into to, to some of the other stuff. Let me jump in a little bit on that point because the yeah, as men particularly, but women too, in a lot of cases, we have we tie up a lot of our identity in what we do in our job. And I have uh, mm -hmm. a good friend I ran into yesterday, um, Keith Storm with Anspire, and he mentioned 
the first thing he's very intentional about this. And the thing that he does when he comes up to an old friend, he hasn't seen in a while. He says, how are you doing, man? How's your family? And so his intention there is to say, to remind people in a, in a subtle way, but this is important for, since we're on this topic is to say, we are more than our job. We are not. So yeah, we're more than our job. We are not, um, we don't, we want to not be defined by our work and our work product. We want to be about who we are um, yeah. and to apply that wherever we are. So um, I, I think it's an important thing, but as you think about that from a layoff and a job change perspective and how men particularly tie up our identity uh, in our work. And I, I think that I'm scarred from that experience for life and it colors a lot of what I do and how I think about success going forward. But um to be reminded that that's not who we are, that we are, are you know, as, as, as a Christian, I believe that I'm more than that, that I'm mm-hmm. called to, uh, to be more, that um, I'm, I'm a child of God. And as a result, that that is where my worth comes from. And, and from that place, then I can, um, I, I can respond to what God has done um, by serving in response, not as a, I have to earn my way, but as a, in, in gratitude and response to what God's done. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. And that was kind of what I was alluding to that, that uh, success and your identity is more than just the job that you have or the amount of money in your bank account. And, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of bring up, uh, uh, every once in a while, cause it was really important to me in some of the roles that I've been in that, if the only way that you view success is financial uh, and you're not currently there, then the rest of your life feels like a failure. And so for, for the longest time, I felt really good about myself because the company was doing good. And then when the company wasn't doing good, I, my mood changed, my irritability was high, my stress level was that much higher. And I had to finally look at some other metrics because uh, businesses ebb and flow. There's obviously times of growth. There's times of sustainability. Uh, there's times when uh, your company becomes mature and then you need to kind of decide what, what the next steps are. But I think if you look at all of the businesses that are out there, the ones that are successful and the ones that fail in terms of just staying in business, there's a lot of companies that stay in business that don't necessarily just kill it in terms of money. And I think that when you talk to the guys that are truly content and truly, um, they truly feel a, a, a source of uh, belongingness or a source of um, just, uh, being whole, it's because they don't look at that final number on the PL and say, This was a good month, this was a good year. Um, and I think that. Like what you said, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who you are uh, as a leader in your family, knowing who you are in terms of the friends that you surround yourself with. Um, And then also within your company, your culture. I mean, I know that you love company culture. Uh, Just looking at the uh, longevity of either your employees or just the the mood in your office, I think that that can be just as much of a success for you in business uh, and as a person and as a leader as the financial side of it. You bet. And to know that I'm delivering, hopefully, <laughs> I believe I'm delivering <laughs> a place where um, folks like to work, that they are valued, that they are able to be successful 
and that they have a clear understanding of what that success looks like. And so the feedback aspect is really important. So one of the things that, um, that we, I, I got a tra- chance to go back to OJT a couple of weeks ago and speak. And one of the things that we talked about was in, in applying to automotive, um, we talked about diagnostic. And so the diagnostic process, we go through that a lot here. We talk about that. But first, um, if, if you're looking at, uh, at your career and where you are at this point and considering what's next, um, it's always wise to, to kind of go through the process and to make sure that you know what you're evaluating. So the first thing is you wanna evaluate and uncover potential problems. So is, is your career, is your job search, is whatever you're doing, is it going the way you want, to do, to, want it to go? Um, are you getting the responses from people? So let's say you're in sales. Are you, are you making the right number of calls? Are you getting the response that you need? Where do you need to dig in and evaluate? Is your message right? Are the people you're calling the right decision makers? Are you, um, are, are, is your message being received well? Is your pricing right? Is your, you know, all those things. Um, and are you learning more about yourself each day, uh, each week, each month? When a candidate comes to me as a, as a potential employer, and, you know, you, you always get the weakness question, right, in an interview. Tell me about your biggest <laughs> weakness. And hear me, folks, if you, if you give somebody the answer of, um, well, my biggest weakness is I work too hard and I try too hard and I care too much and all that garbage, uh-huh. what you're telling me is that you haven't learned anything about yourself and you don't know who you are. As a, as a longtime sales guy, one of my things is uh, I have called reluctance sometimes. And so it's just, mm-hmm. I get kicked in the teeth so many times and I don't want to pick up the phone again. I've got a customer who's frustrated with us and I, I don't, I, I kind of want to avoid that conflict. Um, so I have to put that on my list and say, I've got to get this done. I've got to do this or I, I know it's not going to happen. So to say here, I'm, I'm evaluating um, potential problems. Um, and uncovering those, then I'm going to confirm it. So I'm going to circle back and say, wait a minute, is this really a marketing message issue? Is it a pricing issue? Is it an activity or effort problem? What's the issue? And then finally, once I've made it, I've identified it, I apply the fix and then I go back and retest. Same mm-hmm. is true when you're, when you're working on an automobile to say, I want to evaluate and uncover the potential problems. Uh, I want to confirm the problem. And then I want to uh, make the fix and then go back and retest. So it's a constant feedback loop that's happening. And so the same can happen uh, with a career, a job search, anything that's going on. But to say, let's make sure that we're checking everything out. So um, that's one aspect. But you talked about culture. We could kind of dive in there. Yeah. Um, before you dive into culture, I love how you brought up the weakness question, because that's that's one that I always kind of struggled with in terms of when I ask somebody that, or even if I were to be asked that myself, because a lot of times, so I've heard a lot of different sides of it. And so I'd, I'd love to dig a little deeper on that and then we can get into the culture side of things. But um, so the question is, is what would you say your greatest weakness is? And some people would say that there's no such thing as weakness. It's just strengths that get out of control. And so ultimately they can turn those strengths, they can uh, bridle them down, right? And then they can get to a point where they can actually use that as a benefit. I think a lot of times people don't like to show weakness, right? Um, 
and when you when you don't show that uh, and, and you're asked directly, hey, what are your weaknesses? It's asking you to be very vulnerable at that point. Yeah. And I don't know that the uh, the person asking the question has uh, established that amount of rapport for me to really open up for something like that. So I think it's it's tough for me to really answer that question. So it sounds like what you're saying is is if you don't give them a real good answer to that or a real authentic answer, then that's also projecting that you haven't done self self analysis. So when when you ask that question or when you're coaching somebody uh, through OJT, what what is the what is the best path for that question? Because I know that for some of the listeners, that question is going to come up. Okay, so you get the weakness question, and I and, and for me, the sales guy, if you're a sales manager and you hear a can, a sales candidate tell you that they sometimes have call reluctance, that's going to scare you. Yeah, uh, but that's really true about Russ Knight. And so what I do is I, I set parameters for myself. And so to offset that weakness, I have to say, I know what success looks like. And for me in this role, it means I'm going to make 20 calls a day to new people, not to mention following up and taking care of other things. But I'm going to make 20 new contacts per day to, to make for success. 19 is not enough. Mm-hmm. 20 is my number. And so whatever your your particular set is, but that you develop your numbers and your your way to deal with it. And so with with mine as call reluctance, I know I have to make this number of calls to have a successful day to say this was a good day. If I don't, I haven't made enough because of the sales funnel. I start here and I work my way down and I know that it's not, I'm not going to yield enough um, good outcome uh, to justify what I'm doing. So um, I, I believe that, you know, different managers may, may differ on this question, but I really feel like that I want to, if, if I'm going to hire somebody, I want to know what their, what their real challenge is. If I have a candidate, I, I've hired people here at the shop that have come in and have indicated that they've had trouble uh, with the law in the past. And so that they, but they tell me, and when they tell me that up front versus me finding about it after the fact, I can go so much further with somebody who's going to be transparent with me personally. Now, certain uh, other places and you know corporate environments, they may have particular rules that they can't uh, do certain things. But for me, when I hear that, I hear that vulnerability. Uh, I hear somebody who's trying to get better, and, but trying to be honest and say, look, I don't want to waste your time or mine. Let me tell you my story. This is the deal. But here's what I can do. Here's the value that I bring. And so mm-hmm. to always follow that weakness with a, an understanding of here it is, I know it, and here's what I do to offset it. So yeah. I think that that's the that's the best way to answer that question. I, I love that answer, and I think that that's something that uh, going into hopefully hopefully I'm not in that situation anytime soon. But if uh, it, going into that, and hopefully if a listener is going into that, don't be afraid to present a weakness, but be prepared to have a, a a plan of action or something that you're doing, something that you've done to recognize that that you can put in place to overcome it. That's uh, that's great advice. Um, when you're when you're there in the interview and you and if your if your goal is to land the job, um, you're not thinking far enough down the road. I want you mm-hmm. to talk about and think about being successful in that role. So part of that too is go, coming in with good questions so you can better understand what that environment is like. Don't ask them questions. I mean if you want to kill an interview, best thing to ask, what do you guys do here? Prove to show me quickly that you don't that you've done no research ahead of time. <laughs> um, but what I really want to see is have you asked? I, I want somebody to ask questions that they can't find out 
online or by asking an employee or something else. Tell me what it's like to work there. What is your management style? What is it? You know, ask questions that you can't get answered anywhere else. And so when you do that, that helps you because you're focused on not only landing the job, but doing the job really well and delivering success. So asking questions like, what is, so let's, let's fast forward three months. You've hired me and you are talking to your friend or to one of your, somebody else at work and you're talking about what a great hire I was. What have I done that has delivered that kind of great success? Now that personalizes the question about outcomes, but it also paints the picture of you in that job. And so a lot of what you want to do is, is, is thinking about not just getting the job, but doing the job well and delivering the results. When somebody else was in this role, how did they miss? What was the biggest thing that, 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 um, made what, that contributed to them not delivering the results we need? Um, those kinds of questions to, to focus on doing the job well, not just getting the job. You all, you took the words out of my mouth. I was totally going there. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, but I think I, as you were talking, I think you took a little bit different angle on it than, than what I was thinking. Um, I love how you're talking about asking questions to the employer because, uh, my, my thought when you were, when you're talking about all this was, is that the job needs to be just as much of a, a fit for you as it does for you filling the need for them. And I think that's where we kind of tie into the culture side of it a little bit. When you're in that role and you're asking those questions, they're asking you questions, but in that interview, I think it's important to remember that you can interview them just as much as they interview you. Not not all environments will allow you to do that, but whenever you are in that situation, just because the job's available does not mean that it's the right job for you. Yep. And I think that if you can ask those questions and really find a company that has a defined culture, that has something that you feel like you're going to be a good fit for, I think it's perfectly okay to be in an interview. And if you're hearing answers that don't line up with things that you're comfortable with or, 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 or you find out the job role is not something that's a good fit for you, to not waste their time and not waste your time and just say, you know – from what I'm looking for and, and, and based on some of the answers that you're saying, I actually don't think this is going to be a good fit for me and, and go there because I hate to get into a role uh, where I would either be hired by somebody or I hire somebody and three months down the line, they may be perfectly capable of doing the job, but they're absolutely miserable. And that does, that does no good for me. And that does no good for them there. I'm asking them to give up a, a very significant portion of their time in their life to this job. I want them to feel like they belong and I want them to feel like they fit in the environment that they have. So, uh, Russ, talk a little bit about the culture that you're intentional with. Cause I, like I said, I know that you're passionate about culture. And so these are some of the things that hopefully employees are looking for. What have you done, uh, within a franchise, which I, I almost wonder if that's more difficult because you almost have some established guidelines that you need to follow and you have a brand that you're protecting. But how do you incorporate your own culture into some of those things and, and inject your own personality to, to your employees and to your team? Before I jump into that, let me touch base on the questions. Um, so the, I wanted to say that if you are going in for an interview, you can't go in hat in hand, oh, ma'am, oh, sir, may I please have a job, and that you are there <laughs> to answer their questions and you're not to ask questions. They're going to evaluate you also on the questions that you ask. So you have yeah. to have, be ready with some good ones. And so it's absolutely okay to have a typewritten um, page or pages of questions. And then 
obviously they're going to cover several of them as you go through and you're just ticking them off. And it's also okay to pause and take a note and write it down. If you go walk into an interview swinging hands without a, a notebook, you're telling that person that they don't have, that what they're going to say does not have value. I don't need to write this down. This isn't going to matter in the future. So anytime you go have a coffee meeting, a networking meeting with somebody, or um, go in for an interview, you've got to go in with a notebook ready to go. So you've got your typewritten questions. You're ticking off the questions that they are answering without having you, you having to ask them. And it may, it may direct your questions differently based on the conversation and how it goes. So, but you definitely have to do that. So anyway, now if you want, I can go ahead and dive in on, on culture. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of those buzzwords that's been around for a while. People talk about that a lot. Um, and you may go to work for a company or work for somebody who's got that uh, list of 10 core values or, or things that are on the, the board in the conference room, on the wall. And mm -hmm. sometimes those matter. Sometimes that's really a guiding directive. Other times that's what they talk about in the boardroom, but out on the shop floor or out in the sales pit, it's different. That And really the culture is, okay, that's what we say, but here's how it really goes. And so what you uh -huh. want to dive into, and as you're evaluating a prospective employer or leading a team, you want to make sure that what you say on paper and what you list as your core values really does line up with what actually matters. So about a year ago, I had a technician that worked for me. He's a good guy, honest, uh, certified with several um, European manufacturers, but he didn't really like to work on other vehicles. And he wasn't motivated to produce on a high level. He just kind of liked tinkering with cars and didn't, didn't feel like he needed to uh, press to turn a certain number of hours. That was a problem for us. And so as I started evaluating and thinking about that more, I really used that as an example of the difference between good and great. You know, the, the, the Jim Collins book that's been around forever, Good to Great, um, really defines that and talks about, you know, we talk about good as an enemy of great to say, okay, we're, we're content. Our numbers are okay. We're, we're, we're hitting our, our goals. Okay. But are we talking about what's possible? We're talking about what we can do to completely change the paradigm and make the, um, make the numbers completely different. And so that, that we have significant more goals. So there's a website, speaking of job search, there's a website out there called Career Realism. Um, the lady that runs it, she, the, the tagline for this website is because every job is temporary. And the reason that that is so true in this economy is that you've got, and what you need to do about that really, is that you've got to be in charge of your own career. You may work for somebody who's a great boss. You know that if you work hard, they're going to take care of you. Well, when push comes to shove, they may not. They may not. So you have to um, be in charge of your own career. And so the people I think about from college that I know now, 20 years forward, um, that are doing great, those are the people that I knew that had a game plan, that, that knew what they were going to do, that they were going to go work for this organization or this type of organization for several years. Then they're going to go get their MBA. Then they were going to go off and do this next thing. And then they were going to be the CEO or whatever. And the people that I know that have done that, they had a game plan on that. So if you're in that position, kind of like what I was, um, to say, you've got to step back and come up with that game plan now uh, and, and do some self-evaluation. So I'm sure that there's lots of resources online and books and different things 
but uh, I would encourage you um, to, to develop that and come up with your game plan of what you're going to be doing because chances are it's not going to be getting the gold watch from the company you're working for after 25 years. So you've <laughs> got to be in charge of your own process. We've touched on culture. One of the things that's important here is really this list that we have, have developed and it's, I, I even post this on, when I post a job, I want to tell somebody, this is what matters here. And this is not something that was developed in a boardroom. Um, and it's not, it's specific to our shop, even in the midst of a franchise that now has 180 locations, this is specific for us. So it, and the things that we talk about, I want four things from an employee. This goes to a technician, somebody on the sales counter, um, anybody working here, we're going to build promoter customers. If we have a customer that walks away and they're just satisfied, we missed an opportunity to have them help us grow our business and tell more people about us. Secondly, I want you to be a part of the team. You're going to ask and answer questions. You're going to be a good communicator. You're going to be pleasant to work around. Uh, we're going to learn from mistakes. Uh, you're, and you're pretty much just glad to do whatever's required. Uh, you're, you're going to really embrace that line on your job description that says other duties as a sign. And maybe not even as a sign, but as you see them. <laughs> You're going to take yeah. initiative. So the third one is that you're going to be a producer. You're going to add to the bottom line. You're going to be a significant contributor to this company. And fourth is you're going to be willing to learn and grow. You're going to be willing to do things in a way that we have determined is best in our particular process. But you're also going to be willing to grow and, um, and pursue that on your own to get better, to say, I'm better this year than I was last. And here's why, because I had an intentional plan. So here at my shop, here at Christian Brothers Automotive, Tulsa Hills, if you can do those four things, that's what's going to define success here. And so that's our culture. That's what I know. I think it's important for the listeners to realize whether you're creating the culture or whether you're a part of a culture, that it's really important. And, and the four things that you talk about, I think, are, are something that we can apply or hopefully uh, maybe even apply to ourselves yeah. uh, as, as a person. Uh, so you can have your own internal mission statement, but then you can also have mission statements for, for companies. And uh, the things that you brought up in terms of promoter customers and uh, being a part of a team, being a contributor and being willing to grow, that's the kind of environment that I hope that we're looking for and that we're striving to be. And so I think that when you're asking those questions about what kind of company is this? And, and, and you're trying to figure out if that company is a fit for you. Look very closely at their culture. Look very closely at their mission statements. Uh, I know that a lot of millennials are very, very um, intentional with the culture. That's why you're starting to see corporate culture change a little bit. I, I look at companies uh, like Google or even uh, Consumer Affairs here in Tulsa where a lot of their environment is not just get in and do the job. I actually listened to a podcast where Zach, the uh, the owner of Consumer Affairs, basically says that we're more passionate about results than we are about working hard, and it was almost like a, a flip of um, of logic where you would think that you just work hard and the results come, but they're more focused on the actual results. And and by saying that, he gives himself and he gives his company permission to have fun, to enjoy the work that they do. The results are important, and that's ultimately what we're working for. But if you're able to achieve the results, you also have room to enjoy the job that you're in. And I think that's why culture is so important. And I think when we're crafting culture, like I'm in the process right now of crafting the culture here at Trost Marketing for the things that we do. And the amount of time that goes into 
creating that mission statement, the, the vision and the values uh, is a lot more than I think people realize. When you're coming into a job and you're seeing that thing written on the wall, I don't think a lot of people actually consider how much time and effort hopefully went into creating that. And if you're really a part of a company that has a good culture, that is intentional with it, they they create and craft it, and then they present it, and then 90% of the rest of the time is spent reminding, uh, encouraging, and educating people on that culture. When you've done a good job of that, that's a company that's very intentional with what they're trying to do uh, with their customers, with their employees, and whatever else. That's a good place, in my opinion, to work. Now it just comes down to figuring out, is this a fit for you? Is this a place that you feel yourself being successful? Like you said earlier, you're taking control of your career. You're viewing every job as not your last job. It's a temporary thing. I don't know that I would tell your employer, your potential employer that, but I think that's something that you go into it realizing because a, a lot of times uh, like that, that, that employee that works for a company for 30 years that's becoming uh, something that's more rare than it is common. And I think as we grow as people, I actually, if I remember correctly, I think I heard a stat that says uh, the average adult has four to six careers in a lifetime, like completely different careers. And, and Russ, I think you've already hit that. But I think that there's, <laughs> but I think that uh, that's something that you got to take in consideration just because the job you're in and you're successful uh, in it doesn't mean that that's the final thing that you're in. And, and that goes back to some of the previous podcasts that we've had where we talked about being a multi-potentialist. You may be good at multiple things, but you may not be completely in your your defined purpose. And I think that finding those jobs and, and working your ways into those different roles is going to help get you that much closer to figuring out what you were created to be, what your purpose is. I mean, we talked to uh, Nick Durr, I think his name was, and he talked about how he had, he had gone through like eight jobs in one year. And ultimately, he kind of went down the ultimate path of realizing that he was getting that much closer to really figuring out what he was passionate about. And now he's actually an entrepreneur that helps people um, with their finances. And that's something that he's passionate about. But it took him all those jobs to get to that point. So I think it's a that's a great point because uh, you I, I see resumes or, or candidates that have one year, two years in one place and then they go to the next job. One year, two year, mm -hmm. they go to the next place. So I think the question, if, if that's what your resume looks like right now, I would have to challenge you and ask to say, are you taking the same job over and over or are you growing and learning about yourself? If, if you're not picking up and saying, hey, I'm not delivering the results that I need, so they're kicking me to the curb, which was my story most of the time, um, then and, and you're not evaluating and saying, okay, at this place, I've got to do something different now to deliver better results. So this is not a one year, two year stop. Um, so this is part of managing your own career is to, is to stop and to take a moment. It, it, it's, if it's in between or over the weekend or whatever, while you're considering what's next, but to do some, some self-reflection and evaluation and say, wait a minute, what's different here. I know for sure that I'm wired to serve. And I feel like I've really done, I've been a servant wherever I have been. And that people would really, that would be the first word almost that they would say about me um, wherever I've worked. At Christian Brothers Automotive, this was a franchise that started 35 years ago by two guys who met at a Bible study. And they said, we want to change automotive repair. We want to be honest and fair. We want to be transparent. And we want to 
treat others as we would want to be treated. So we want to say if somebody comes in for a, a repair and we t we see that this thing, it's 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 coming, but it's not yet due. So for your budget or your situation, that you have the authority here. Um, what's fun is that our franchise really seems to mirror that. And so they changed our Facebook landing page to say, you belong in the driver's seat. And they did that after we really seemed to be saying almost that exact same thing to customers <laughs> to say, no, look, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you have to replace your cabin air filter or your wheels are going to fall off. We're going to talk about what really needs to be done. This is what needs to be done to address this problem. This is what's next. This is maintenance that's due, but you it's, it's not related to your current problem. And here's some things. Your brakes are at four millimeters and three millimeters, not yet due. So um, to just say, we want to make sure that you have a clear picture that I'm talking to you like your family, like how I would talk to some anybody. So anyway, that's from a, from a culture perspective. We hired a guy a few months ago, and one of the things that I have on my, on my sheet about um, the promoter customer is here you have the authority to do the right thing for the customer. And so mm. I want my team, they know they don't have to call me to get a customer rental car because we've gone long or to refund yeah. a customer because we made a mistake. Um, and we do. Um, we're not perfect, but we really try to make it right when, when, when things come up. Well, Russ, I appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on this podcast with me. I, I have a page full of notes here that uh, I'm really excited about because there's so much good meat here. And that's, again, what I love about the podcast is that this is something that people have the opportunity to go back to. So maybe you're not in that job right now, uh, or, or maybe you're not looking for a job. Maybe you're in a, a situation where you have a good job, but later on down the line, you get to a point where you're either going to start looking or maybe you get forced out there and you have to, to find a job yourself. This is a great podcast to come back to and re uh, re-listen to, to kind of sharpen yourself and definitely check out OJT. Russ, what was the website for that again? OJTTulsa.org. So check that out. That's a great resource. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, but the funny thing about this whole podcast is this was not what we were going to talk about. <laughs> I have a tendency to hijack things. Uh, Russ, like I told you in the pre-show, I'd like to give you an opportunity to speak uh, directly to the audience here uh, and, and really give your message to young business leaders. So I'm going to turn it over to you. What would you say? What, what would your key takeaway from today be? Or what would you like to say directly to our audience? So you may be thinking about like what's next or coming up with a game plan, or you may be even frustrated with your current employment situation, or you may be a new entrepreneur trying to figure out what's going on or, or what your, your plan is. I would just say, I would challenge you to find a way, be a, be a contributor where you are now. If, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you're part of a layoff, you get to say, hey, I was part of a 55% company-wide reduction in force. But it was also there was 45 percent of the of the team that that stayed that was deemed invaluable that we have to keep be such a contributor that when that if that decision has to come, that there's no question that yeah. you are such an ad, such a contributor every single day that that they can't uh, they can't uh, do anything but keep you. Well, Russ, thank you for being on the podcast. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma.com 
at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.